Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint podcast. I am here with Anne, who has kindly agreed to chat with us about her experience on the Mandarin Blueprint method and learning Chinese in general. And this particular case study is a little bit unique because Anne has actually written a fair bit about her experience in a you know, much, much more elucidated way than many people that we talk to here at Mandarin Blueprint. So, uh, you know, while I normally would ask a set of sort of somewhat templated questions, we'll um, kind of have a different type of conversation today with Anne. So before we get into your blog post here, this great blog post called Learning Mandarin Chinese Efficiently with Mandarin Blueprint over at, um, and is it, is it Giles or Giles? Giles, Giles. Giles, okay, annegiles.com. That's A-N-N-E, G-I-L-E-S.com. And you can check out Learning Mandarin Chinese Efficiently with Mandarin Blueprint. I'll leave the link in the show notes, of course. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your journey to deciding to learn Mandarin in the first place and why you want to learn Mandarin. I, I would love to do that. I would. Uh, I want to say first, uh, thank you so much for what you and Luke have done. Uh, as I was saying before we started, I uh, felt quite moved to see you in person. Um, I was all alone in lockdown learning Chinese and you and Luke were my everyday all day company. And so, you know, I'm getting choked up a little bit. Your, your company meant so much to me. And so to see you in real life is uh, just um, validating and inspiring. So thank you, thank you for that. Let's see, yeah, so uh, I, yeah, I'd love to tell this piece of the story that I haven't told. Uh, in, I live in Blacksburg, Virginia, and uh, Virginia Tech is here. And when I was a teenager, uh, bridge was played at the Squire Student Center. And I played bridge with uh, people from Taiwan. And they were fabulous to me, so kind. So I got very interested in uh, Taiwan. I went to college, I studied Chinese history and just uh, uh, started dreaming of uh, seeing Oracle Bone script for myself in China. So, you know, it's all this kind of history thing. So I went to graduate school, I took one semester of Chinese and uh, that didn't work out, uh, that, that program didn't work out. So I came back, became a teacher. So I took one semester of Mandarin Chinese 40 years ago and you know, could remember how to count uh, and how to say hello. And for some reason, I remember Tai Gui. So <laughs> that, that, that's all I remember. And so I considered myself a beginner when uh, I started, I don't know, just before the pandemic, I started thinking about returning to learning Mandarin Chinese and I'm not sure why really um, uh, an intellectual challenge. I'm 62 years old. There is, you know, a, sort of an urgency to keep the, the mind and the brain active. Uh, mm. My poor father has dementia and that has really uh, made me thoughtful about what I want to do and be, uh, how I want to use my mind for the next 20 years. I, I too may develop it. So, you know, I've got this window. How, how will I how will I spend my time? And Mandarin, learning Mandarin Chinese was what came to me. So mm-hmm. I looked and looked and looked for how to learn Mandarin Chinese. Um, there is, there are so few materials for adults. I am not, I don't have children. I don't cook. There's very little in current materials for me. 
and I heard an interview with you uh, with Luke on you can learn Chinese and right, that's when right. I learned about Mandarin Blueprint and and looked into Mandarin Blueprint and I have been using the system now for months. So we had a little bit of an internet drop there. So I'll just uh, repeat my last question. So I was just asking, what was it about Mandarin Blueprint that caught your attention at the beginning and uh, you kept you interested? I appreciate the question. So uh, my, I think my, my life right now, my intellectual life right now is more creative than it has been in months, maybe years because of Mandarin Blueprint. Mandarin Blueprint asks me to uh, think of my story, my history. So I, it's, it's, um, it's in the places, my places, my autobiographical places. Then I'm asked to create with my own imagination the, the, the Hanzi, the character, you know, in my heart, in my mind, in my story. I just find it a, sort of a miraculous, uh, a creative and intellectual experience. So it, it doesn't surprise me that it, I've never seen anything like it. And I am a writer, I'm a teacher, I'm a counselor. I, 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 I've had a rich, beautiful intellectual life. This is novel. So it makes sense to me that you've made it through the, you know, the patent pending process. It, it's, it's an invention. And it's a system. And so sort of it fits with the human brain. It fits with the human experience. It's, um, it, I think it's extraordinary. So it, you ask what, what kept me going. It, it, um, it, it, it works. It works on a pragmatic level, but it works on a sort of a higher, a higher level, uh, uh, an enlightened, humane, human level that's just, um, it's beautiful, it's effective, it's uh, compelling, uh, I continue. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, so, so um, yeah. You knew I, that, I bet. You kind of knew that. <laughs> well, I certainly know that it's it's very human because it's all about just finding the parts of your brain that, uh, you know, are already connected with the knowledge. You just need to add something to it. So like that's how I've always sort of thought of it is what the process of learning is in general is to find what you already know and connect the unknown to what you already know. I mean, there's no way to have an unknown that's an island and suddenly becomes known disconnected from everything else you've already experienced. So essentially use, using your imagination is a way to uh, quickly create connections in some way. So, you know, I imagine that there are, if I, if I were to get down to the neurobiology of it, and again, I'm just speculating here, I'm no neurobiologist, but I would just imagine that all of those action potentials that shoot electricity across our neurons through the axon and then they build on these myelin sheaths over the axon to create a more robust it's like it's like the the rubber around a wire that keeps the electricity in you know you keep building these things and if you are already attached to a set of neurons that are associated with say a memory of the first time you ever you know set up a bank account or something and then you're learning the chinese word for bank account in that moment then 
it's just so much easier. There's like, there's like more like electrical force behind that to weld in new information, right? And so uh, it's just a matter of searching your brain. And I think that uh, it, it's weird because creating it is simultaneously gratifying and, you know, help. I'm glad that it's helping people, but it's also kind of like, there's this weird sort of disappointment that happens in the sense that it's, it's it, I wish this were more widespread knowledge of how to learn this way. You know, it's in, in luckily there are people out there who are advocating for it. Memory champions like Dominic O'Brien or, um, you know, uh, the, the various people in that field who are trying to make sure that people know, Hey, you're, you're way more, there's way more potential in your brain just waiting dormant for you uh, if you know how to navigate it. And so it's almost like we're kind of um, just coaches about navigation through that sea of your mind. And, you know, uh, the other thing about it that's so clear to me is that neither Luke or myself, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, we're just normal guys. We're not geniuses or anything like that. We're just guys who said to ourselves, okay, there's ways to learn characters. And so that, that involve this, these techniques, these visualization techniques and navigating your own brain. And uh, so could we apply this to further layers of the language and keep building up, go from characters into words and into grammar by getting comprehensible input? And everybody knows about comprehensible input. That's not a thing that is all that uh, novel in the language learning community. It was just a question of how to get Chinese there because you don't know, I mean, like read Chinese to get better at uh, the language through comprehensible inputs. Like how? How are you going to read these squiggles? They don't, you know, it's not like English or, or French or something. You learn French, okay, it's not the same as English, but at least they have an alphabet, right? You know, so anyway, um, so that's, uh, I'm glad to hear that. And also, I knew that you were aware of comprehensible input from your uh, blog post. So, um, yeah, but anyway, so, so you were talking about those, those connections there. One of the things, you kind of mentioned a few things that stuck out to you. One of the things you just brought up, which I feel like, I forget about sometimes it's just the advantage of an online course so how have you found it being you know that you can just go online and do the course so uh interesting question i am a counselor i had a private practice i had an office i saw clients in the office and then the pandemic happened so i had to close my office because we couldn't meet face to face so mm. i had to take pretty much my life online my mm. work and my life. And, so many and, people have to do that. Yes, yeah, I'm not alone in this. And so, you know, my theory is that everything got backed into a corner mm. and belief-based practices versus science-based, reality-based, fact-based processes got backed into the corner. And the belief-based belief -based practices um, kind of sold with charm didn't produce results. And so uh, a, lot of, a lot of people um, got embarrassed. Mm -hmm. So um, everything had to be online. So I tried many, many programs, courses, approaches, apps, everything was electronic. So uh, I don't know if, oh yeah. So the thing about Mandarin Blueprint is uh, the videos are a minute. <laughs> I yeah. could, I, you know, I could do my, do, do cats, do take care of my father, uh, clean house, uh, 
And then I see clients. Oh, I've got a moment. Let me go into Mandarin Blueprint and make a movie. Yeah. And, and uh, many of the other systems require uh, almost like coding. Go in, do it. If you're interrupted, you lose your train of thought and have to start over. Not with Mandarin Blueprint. I didn't lose. It wasn't painful to be broken away. I could get in, do it and get out over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, uh, it, it, these were some lonely times. I was awake at odd times and Mandarin Blueprint was there. So yes, every online course is available. What's the difference? Um, the brevity, you know, the efficiency. And again, I, the systematic approach. I, I got a lot of my needs met all at once uh, efficiently. Right, right. And so there's another element to our course, which is does distinguish us from other online courses, which is that we've uh, tried our best to facilitate um, the community elements of the course so that people don't feel as though, I mean, sure, you're watching a recording of a video, but they we want people to feel that we're there, not just us, but also all the other people who have come before. So there's a lot of people paying it forward in terms of uh, leaving comments that you know, won't necessarily help them in that moment, although it might help them to write out their scene or something like that, but they leave stuff for other people. So tell me about your experience of that element of the course, the sort of com more community-based elements. I, uh, someone reached out to me from the community. I posted uh, some distress about something. I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, we know what it was. <laughs> probably uh, flashcards, right? <laughs> it would be, it would be that, yes. Yeah. Uh, and someone reached out to me from the community and that, that, uh, that invitation was uh, lovely. And so I participated in the community, uh, I participated in the community a great deal to start. And then my momentum, I, I had some momentum and then participated less. Um, in the community forum, I participate mm. actively in the lessons. Uh, this is unusual. Each of the lessons has a comment section. And so right. people leave comments on lessons. And so like if I watch, if, I, if I'm learning a character and I'm not, it's not coming to me, I can scroll through other people's ideas and it's like a buffet. And I just mm -hmm. fill my plate with items from the buffet. And so it, it's synergy. That's, it creates synergy, creative synergy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's glorious from our perspective because we don't have to uh, come up with all the creative ideas. Like, you know, we obviously like to give people a, a starting off point. And, you know, for example, I'm in the process of ex expanding the course. And so we're still the ba same basic system for learning characters. So we have to pick new uh, props to represent character components. And uh, while I do insist that I come up with at least one idea, uh, I know that I'd only, I only really have to come up with one idea because what will happen naturally is that people will keep suggesting ideas uh, and we might even do it ahead of time. So we might even make a spreadsheet and just say to the people on the course, hey, here are the upcoming props for the advanced course. Here's your uh, uh, trigger idea, add in whatever else you want and then we'll put it into the course when it comes out. And just having that resource is so powerful. Yeah. It's like, you know, we, we can just set up a number of um, trailheads and then we can yeah. just let other people start uh, go start down those trails, which is great. And, uh, and it means that the the yeah. brain behind the course is is not just two people; it's, it's you know thousands. And yes, and research on learning supports 
that hypothesis. Uh, writing helps. And so I have to, I add into my learning system writing. So I am currently writing small, short dialogues uh, using sort of psychologically minded content, adding in, and I keep track of the words in Mandarin Blueprint. And I log those onto the, my, I'm putting it on a blog and uh, logging those into the blog post. So giving us the spreadsheet of props will orient us to the prop. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so if we write our own little, hey, you can use this, it, it, it enhances learning. So it's, I hear that it's uh, efficient work-wise, but it's also uh, efficient learning-wise for, for your learners, for your students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a great yeah. idea. I can't wait to see the sheet. I hope I get <laughs> to look at look and add one. Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, um, we were able to do that a little bit with uh, the intermediate course as well, which has been awesome. And uh, the other thing that's so exciting about the course in general is that it's constantly growing. Like there's no spot that has to, um, well, one, it's constantly growing because people are leaving their suggestions all the time, but there's also, there are constant um, branches that you could have. So we're finishing building up the trunk uh, in terms of the characters, because I would say that the characters are the things that have the most uh, fractal-like branches you can take from them. But at any point, we can choose to focus on a certain area of the language and just expand a bit more. And so it's one of those things that it's hard for me to ever imagine that Mandarin Blueprint will be done because it's like, yeah. you know, there are, I can, there's certainly a point where we'll probably decide there's no need to teach any more characters because the return on investment you're going to get for them is, is too low. But you know, it's hard to imagine that at any point we would say, okay, we've covered everything because it's just, well, you know, you just can't. It's uh, the language is too, I mean, even Chinese people don't know the entirety of the language. So it's, um, it's very exciting in that sense. So uh, how have you found uh, some of the elements of the course? Like, for example, the Henza movie method itself, more specifically, like the, the different elements to it. How long did it take before you felt like you understood how the method works? Because it's about like a seven or eight step process to learn each character. So it can be intimidating for people sometimes. So uh, my question is, you know, how did you find doing that? And how long did it take you to get get it down? <laughs> I don't know. I, I have memorized, I made a tone house in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I envisioned a, a long house entrance is one, kitchen is two, and I, 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 and I drew it. I drew it on a little piece of paper and I had to look at that. I um, had to make an analog list of all of my uh, locations. I uh, ha found a place with the, uh, the uh, initials and I keep track so it, uh, it took a while and it's still, I still have to look at the papers. <laughs> you see how they have cat prints on them and tea stains, but um, so, but I would say not long. I, it's, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's just, it started to make sense. And, you know, as you know, I have um, made a, um, an analog flashcard system for myself and mm -hmm. sort of reverse engineered the, the system so that I can fit it on a half sheet, all the pieces. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I understand it. I was able to understand it well enough to sort of imagine the napkin that you and Luke wrote the idea on and put it on a sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. 
you know, the original, your original conception. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you That's understand? Kind of... Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, because the, the Henson movie method could be intimidating for people sometimes because it's like, you know, there's all these uh, people and places and objects and we're saying, imagine them moving around. So we're always curious how people do with that. But, um, you know, these days, if you're approaching a new character, now that you understand how the system works and you get, okay, you know, people represent the pinion initial and, and places represent the pinion final and the objects represent the components and how they interact, it represents the character meaning. You know, on average, how long does it take you to learn a character? Uh, to, uh, to create a movie hmm. about a character is minutes. Yeah. yeah. Learning, I can't, I keep looking for the, I have heard this over and over again, that it takes 30 exposures to learn a new piece of information. Mm -hmm. I, and I can't find the, you know, I've heard uh, speakers say it, but Something I haven't. Like that too. Yeah. You too. Yeah. So to when, when you ask me, how long does it take to learn it? Well, I haven't had my 30 exposures yet, but I've, mm -hmm. it takes me just minutes to create the movie. And I'm right. much more likely to be able to remember it and mm -hmm. recognize it as a result of creating the movie than if mm -hmm. I hadn't. Right. Yeah, I suppose you could think of it like that in the sense yeah. that we, you know, obviously we we use the SRS flashcards or in your case, the analog flashcards, which give you extra exposures. But then ultimately our goal is to get you to see the character in lots of different contexts, at which point um, you're then getting more rapid exposures to the character because you might see it come up several times. It's why, also why we focus on the, um, the most highly frequent characters first, because you'll have the most opportunities to solidify them. And then there's this sort of meta thing that happens where by the time you know a thousand words and 600 characters, you're gonna start learning less frequent words and characters, but because you understand how the language generally structures sentences and generally structures paragraphs and things like that, it becomes easier to maybe require fewer exposures to a new word before you get it down because it, it, it doesn't take right. as much you're sort of running it through, there's like a meta exposure you've already got given yourself. So yeah. it's um, it's definitely the way anybody learning any language, you have to learn the most frequent words first. It's just, it's this basic thing, but it's surprising how often uh, learning materials will focus on things that are too topic oriented, which is understandable, but like people will make stuff that they'll say okay i'm going to teach you how to go to the hospital in italian and it's like okay fine but that's going to include a lot of things that if you would approach italian from i'm going to learn the thousand most common words in italian then learning about the hospital is better for after you've done that like you know it's like yes, it's yes, not people yes. are too topical oftentimes yes. in the beginning and topic exactly. is more of an intermediate thing yes yes and that that's you know that was my frustration uh going to school, I'm not, cooking, I don't, I didn't, those topics were uninteresting to me. Yeah, and so, so much in yeah. Chinese is like about yeah. being in class. Yeah, yeah, that happens all the yeah. time. And I'm not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't have children and they're not. So they're, they're, I was, I, I felt left out. And, I, and maybe yeah. that's another thing that, uh, oh, you know, I have mentioned this in my blog post, you know, our Surgeon General has argued that we have a loneliness epidemic in the U.S. And I thought the pandemic, you know, backed loneliness into a corner also. Sure. And so, uh, you know, you and Phil in the videos, uh, 
um, uh, asynchronous contact with people in the you know in the in the program uh, was you know very. I felt that I do feel a sense of belonging, and so when I heard uh, Luke say uh, people are starting to refer to themselves as MBers, I laughed because I you know I hadn't used that term yet, but I do feel a sense of uh, belonging. Is it a mm -hmm. is it a community? I don't. Well, you know, my daydream is that more people in my locale use Mandarin Blueprint so we can have a users group because I would mm -hmm. love to, I love reading the comments, the written comments, but what if we met together and acted out our movies or, you know, explained mm -hmm. our movies, you know, did charades with our movies to teach each yeah. other, you know, another exposure and, a, and a, an in-person exposure to this method. I just think it would be delightful. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I think that that uh, has a lot of potential. And, um, you know, I often think that, you know, I've, I've often wanted to, this isn't the thing I'll probably do anytime soon, but I've often wanted to, like, have a, um, what, what do you call it, like a not safe for work community forum for people who want to share certain scenes that are a little bit racy because like we yes. don't put anything that's not family friendly into ours but there's yes. plenty that you could do and many of them are really funny like I've had yes. a number of scenes that I've thought of and I thought ah well I could never share this <laughs> but I thought that would be fun to make like a community yes. forum section that's just like here you can share your scenes that uh, aren't you know you wouldn't want to put on the course or whatever but we don't exactly. have like a <laughs> like a password to get into it or something but you know there, that could be fun you could do that if you were in uh you know in you person were people and not recording <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> not on the internet yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, uh, i think and, it would uh, be. so that that sounds like a great idea i mean i i'm with you i hope that we can get to the point where there's enough mandarin blueprint users I and mean, i'm sure that in big cities that's probably already the case but you know if we yeah. can get to the point where uh it's it's you know super popular but you know that's how it how it goes we're all on the journey um, but uh, anniversary party in Chengdu. Yeah, that's maybe, my, maybe at some point. See, or great. a conference or a convention, you know, a, mm -hmm. a, a gathering yeah, of MBers. Yeah, exactly. I always thought that, yeah, we're more, the people on our course, uh, I think we were um, talking to uh, a person we were hiring to help us do some writing uh, for uh, various, um, you know, ads or, you know, blog posts. And uh, he asked us, he said, well, what do you call the people on your course? And I said, members, they're members is yeah. the right way to think of it. Because That's it's nice. not really like their clients, their customers. And it sounds like we just sold you a widget and said, you know, see ya. It's more of yeah. a community and a members type of place. And I mean, uh, we're, we're doing our best to try to keep it so that we can maintain that uh, element of it. You know, we, um, we recently had a, um, a very good, review of the course done from Mezzo Guild, which is a very popular online language learning blog. And it was interesting because I, it was a good review, but it was also a review that I could tell was basically just like, I don't know, they read our sales page and uh, sort of maybe checked out a little bit of the free trial, but you know, they, they were saying, and this kind of the, the struggle of running an online course is that like, they were saying, uh, you know, it's a little bit expensive, uh, you know, compared to the competitors. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, there's not that level of interaction though. And, you know, and there's only two of us. So that if we, if we made it really cheap, then it's like the sacrifice that we would be making uh, would be that we wouldn't have enough time to get to everybody. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, so. So let me, I have a sort of a radical view. Mm. Results, 
outcomes. I want results and outcomes. That's the number one criterion. Mm -hmm. So other people can talk about other programs and systems. Mm -hmm. Does it work? Yeah. And you know, this is one of the reasons why I have attempted to take the HSK exams, even though it's, they're difficult to uh, take now with the with the lockdown. But uh, I, 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 I need results. And you know, the HSK is pretty much all we've got to uh, measure results. It, that you know, it, it sometimes in the case studies you ask what might be uh, to add. I wonder mm -hmm. if just an occasional a measure of progress would be, yeah. you know, just, and I, you know, I, this is, this is my work. I'd be glad to, you know, give you, you know, even create a prototype just to see, but like, if you ask the same things over and over again, so you have, you know, pre-test and then you can measure, anyway, that, I just think that would be, um, you know, sort of an internal measure of progress, but yeah, uh, sure. I mean, uh, we, uh, we obviously keep track of how many words you're learning and uh, the different word types and all of that. But uh, we also are going to be more uh, explicit about the HSK levels. Now, the HSK has just updated, so we're still in the process of updating the course to make sure that we cover everything for the, for the new HSK levels. But yeah. uh, because we're doing that, we're going to be a bit more explicit about, okay, here's the point where you've seen all of the HSK uh, you know, two, one, two, three, and so yeah. forth uh, material, which is at least one metric that's uh, in the real world yeah. in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, you could do, you could pass the HSK three now or whatever. Yeah. So um, yeah, so that, that's good yeah. piece of feedback. Yeah, um, and well, and it, yeah. you know, and in real life results, for me, I want to be able to talk about my feelings and thoughts. And I yeah. want to be able to understand what other people share about their feelings and thoughts. I want to be able to talk on the realm of in the realm of ideas. Yep. So you know, if I'm with someone who speaks Chinese and they're sharing their minds and hearts, I need to be able to understand that. And yep. I think I can do that now better after four months of with Mandarin Blueprint than I could when I was uh, learning uh, Zuo Fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think that, that that's that's great. And by the way, I feel that Chinese is a, a very good language at expressing uh, emotion and uh, psychological states. Uh, it's got a lot of different words for various, um, you know, emotional states and, and uh, attitudes. And you know, it's, it's really uh, great in that way. And so I'm sure that you'll continue to uh, enjoy those conversations as you keep improving. Um, all right. Well, I guess um, you know we've covered a lot of grounds today, and I think that um, you know everybody should be sure to check out your blog post because you go into some more uh, about the course and also your personal experiences uh, that led up to why you believed in the course and why also you're seeing re results now. Um, but um, as just a final thing to to wrap up, perhaps you could just explain. Uh, why or why not? Uh, I think I know the answer, but why or why not you would uh, recommend Mandarin Blueprint? And then, you know, if we could finish up with that. Outcomes. <laughs> Outcomes. Yeah. If you want, you know, if people want to uh, learn how to speak Mandarin Chinese, read it and write it, the whole, if they really want to make Mandarin Chinese their own, I recommend Mandarin Blueprint. Otherwise, it's just bits and pieces, but this is a system. Mm -hmm. Humane 
science-based, innovative. That, that's why. It, it's, um, it's human and humane, and it works. Excellent. Well, that's a ringing endorsement and uh, we really appreciate it. And we really appreciate all of your contributions to the course. As you get through it uh, and get to later sections of the course, maybe uh, after you finish the intermediate course, we can get back on a call again and see how you're doing. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate you more than I can say. <laughs>